0: joining us for the first time today, whether it's in person or perhaps online, uh, we're glad you're here. We are working our way through the stories of the life of David in a series that we're calling The Gospel According to David. Many of you might know that Jesus was known as the son of David, and David himself was known as a man after God's own heart. And so it is very beneficial for all of us to examine just why it was that there's such a, a vital connection between David, who was God's son, and David the king, one of the most important figures in the entire Old Testament. We noted in previous sermons that there is more ink devoted to the life of David than to any other person in the Old Testament. And indeed, more ink is devoted to David than any person in all of antiquity. You will find no more uh, biographical information of any ancient person... Then you will find about David. Why is that? Why is his life so important? Well, this morning, we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to read verse, uh, 1 Samuel 18, verses 1 through 4, and that's going to serve as our primary kind of anchoring text. But after we read those, those four verses, we're going to jump ahead to 1 Samuel 20. We're going to read a couple of verses there, and then we're going to jump ahead to 1 Samuel 23. I want to give you a sense of the beginning, middle, and end of the story of David and Jonathan. Are you ready? We're going to begin with 1 Samuel 18, verses 1 through 4. This is God's word. As soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David, and his armor, and even his sword, and his bow, and his belt. Jump ahead to 1 Samuel 20. We'll look at verses 40 through 42. 1 Samuel 20, verses 40 through 42. And Jonathan gave his weapons to his boy and said to him, Go and carry them to the city. And as soon as the boy had gone, David rose from beside the stone heap and fell on his face to the ground and bowed three times. And they kissed one another and wept with one another, David weeping the most. Then Jonathan said to David, go in peace, because we have sworn, both of us, in the name of the Lord, saying, The Lord shall be between me and you and between my offspring and your offspring forever.'" And he rose and departed, and Jonathan went into the city. Jump ahead now to 1 Samuel 23, verse 15. 1 Samuel 23, 15 through 18. David saw that Saul had come out to seek his life. David was in the wilderness of Ziph at Horesh. And Jonathan, Saul's son, rose and went to David at Horesh and strengthened his hand in God. And said to him, do not fear. For the hand of Saul, my father, shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel, and I shall be next to you. Saul, my father, also knows this. And the two of them made a covenant before the Lord. David remained at Horesh, and Jonathan went home. This is God's word. Let's go to God in prayer. Oh, Lord our God, we thank you for this remarkable story of friendship. Friendship between David and his friend Jonathan. Lord God, I pray that as you knit their souls together, that you would knit our souls together as brothers and sisters in Christ, but more significantly and foundationally, that you would knit our souls to you, Lord God, by your Spirit. I pray that you would strengthen us and give us wisdom and insight as we study your Word. Lord God, may this Word become for us living and active, and may we be made alive together through Christ, for by grace we have been saved. It is in Jesus' name that we pray amen. How important are friends? Does every lone ranger need a Tonto? Does every Monica need a Rachel? Does every Frodo need a Sam? Are people, people who need people, really the luckiest people in the world? Or perhaps is it the other way around? This week I was doing some research on trusty WebMD and I found some scientific data that seems to enforce the idea that all of us need friends. According to our friends at WebMD, people with friends recover more quickly from illnesses than people without friends. People with friends, in general, have lower blood, sh- blood pressure than people without friends. People with friends have a lower risk of heart disease than people without friends. People with friends sleep better than people without friends. People with friends are less likely to be depressed People with friends are less likely to suffer dementia. People with friends have a 50% chance of outliving people who don't have friends. The data seems to confirm what the great philosopher Aristotle said about friendship. He said, in poverty and other misfortunes of life, true friends are a sure refuge. They keep the young out of mischief. They comfort and aid the old in their weakness, and they incite those in the prime of life to noble deeds. The data also seems to confirm what the lesser-known philosopher Linda Grayson said about friendship. There's nothing better than a friend unless it's a friend with chocolate. (laughs) I have found that to be true. She's right. Now, perhaps no one in the Bible had more to say about friendship than David's son, Solomon, King Solomon. In the book of Proverbs, he observed, among other things, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born of adversity. Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. In other words, friends counsel us, they comfort us, they they, uh, correct us, they even confront us when we're in sin. As Shakespeare observed, words are easy like the wind. Faithful friends are hard to find. This morning, we're going to look at the story of David and Jonathan. David and Jonathan were best friends. They loved each other. They were loyal to one another. Their souls were knit together. How did they become friends? How did they stay friends over a long period of time? Can you have friends like David and Jonathan? Do you have friends like David and Jonathan? Why don't you have friends like David and Jonathan? Both the Bible and our own anecdotal personal experiences confirm that friendship can make us and loneliness can break us. We need friends. How do we make them? How do we keep them? If you're taking notes this morning, here's the outline. This morning we're going to look at six things that this passage tells us about friendship friendship. The first thing that we'll see is that friendship is necessary. The second thing we'll see is that friendship is mysterious. The third thing we'll see is that friendship is sympathetic. We'll talk about what that means. The fourth thing we'll see is that friendship is covenantal. Again, we'll explain what that means. Fifth, we'll see that friendship is sacrificial, and sixth, we'll see that friendship is sacramental okay so friendship is necessary it's mysterious sympathetic covenantal sacrificial and sacramental that's friendship do you have that do you want that how do we get it let's take a closer look the first thing we see is that friendship is necessary we all need friends Now from this chapter, chapter 18, the first chapter that we read, it marks the beginning of a very dark period in David's life. From chapter 18 all the way through chapter 31, from the moment that David has slaughtered Goliath, you remember that great battle between David and Goliath, to the moment where Saul and his sons, including Jonathan, were killed on top of Mount Gilboa, David was running for his life. Saul repeatedly tried to kill David. He tried and killed at least six times in these chapters. He plotted against David. He schemed against David. He chased David from cave to cave and town to town, place to place. David was always in anguish. He was always on the run. How did he survive? How do we survive when the weight of the world is on our shoulders? How do we survive under the pressures of life, when it feels like, like we're all alone and when our world seems to fall, be falling apart? The answer is friendship. We need friends. David needed a friend like Jonathan, and so do we. We need people who will stand with us when life is hard and walk with us when we face challenges and will not abandon us in our moment of need. Every David needs a Jonathan, and every Jonathan needs a David. Do you believe that? I know some of you do, but I know others of you are less than convinced. Some of you might be thinking to yourself, well, why do I need friends? I don't really need friends. I have books, I have Netflix, I have a cat. His name is Mr. Snuffles, and I'm knitting, knitting him a sweater. I don't need friends around me. I have all that I need right here. I can certainly understand. I'm an introvert by nature. It's hard for me to make friends. And yet, the scripture tells us the friendship we see in this story is absolutely necessary. You cannot be a happy, healthy, normal, spiritually mature person without Friends. Why is that? Well, in order to understand the answer to the why of why we need friends and why friends are necessary, think back to the creation story in Genesis 1 and 2. In the creation story, God created everything that exists. He created the the heavens and the earth, the sun, moon, and stars, the plants and the animals. He created human beings. And every day after he created all that he had created, he said, This is good. In fact, after the sixth day of creation, after he had created everything that had been made, including mankind, he said, behold, this is very good. Do you remember the one time when he looked at all that he had created and said, this is not good? Look with me at Genesis 2.18. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. Do you hear what God's saying? He's saying it's not good for us to be alone. As Christian people, people created in the image of God, all people, we need friends. Why? Because we're made in the image of the triune God. This is where theology matters. You want to do a little theology 101 with me? You do? Great. I'm going to take your silence as enthusiastic affirmation that we're going to do some theology together, right? Amen? Let's go. Our God is not a monopersonal God. Our God is a tripersonal God. Is we, our God is one God in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. That's why we read in Genesis 128, God said, let us make man in our image. You might be thinking if you were a good monotheist and I hope that you are, that why would God say let us us make man in our image? The answer is the Trinity. God is Father, God is Son, God is Holy Spirit. As image bearers of the triune God, we were made for friendship. We were made for fellowship. We were made for community. For Adam, even paradise was not paradise without Eve. Even paradise is not paradise until you have a friend. You could drive the best car. You can live in the coolest house. You could have millions in your retirement funds. You could be a straight-A student. You could ex- excel at Everything that you do, your life will always be incomplete until you have a friend. Friendship is absolutely necessary. In fact, it's part of our spiritual DNA. We all need friends. Now, the second thing that we see in this is that friendship is mysterious. It's mysterious. Look with me at verse 1, chapter 18, verse 1. As soon as David had finished speaking to Saul, the king, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Now, note the passive voice here. The narrator doesn't tell us that Jonathan knit his own soul to David's soul, nor does it tell us that David knit his own soul to Jonathan's soul. It says that their souls were knit together. How did that happen? Well, in the Hebrew grammar, we call this a divine passive It's a way to describe God's activity without specifically mentioning God's name. Now, the logic of it is this. If you don't specifically use God's name, then you can never break the third commandment, which instructs us not to take the name of the Lord in vain. So frequently, Old Testament writers will refer to God in sort of the passive voice. Something will Happened to him, the agent of that happening is not immediately clear, but we know because of their reluctance to use God's holy name, Yahweh, that it is Yahweh who is in view. Isn't the Bible amazing? (laughs) It really and truly is. You could read the Bible over and over and over again, and you will never fathom the depths of the great ocean that is God's word. In fact, oftentimes you will discover that as you read the Bible, the Bible is in fact reading you. But I digress. The point is, we don't really know why God knit David and Jonathan's souls together. He just did. Friendship is a mystery. Friendship is a gift from God. When I met Kate, who is my wife and also my best friend, God knit our souls together. And when I met Matt, and when I met Clay, and when I met Russ, and when I met Todd, and when I met his other friend, Todd, I have two friends named Todd, God knit our souls together. Why? I don't know. It's a mystery. People often ask me, How did you end up at Pinewoods Church? Some of you know I grew up in California. I served at a church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. How did you end up in Pensacola? How did you end up at Pinewoods Church? And I tell them, I don't know. A guy in a search committee called me one day, said, hey, you guys want to meet? And we met. And I said, I think that these are our people. And Kate said, yeah, I think that they're our people. I guess we're going to Pensacola. If they want us to come, we'll go. It's a mystery. I can't really explain it, but our souls were knit together. Now, here's the interesting thing. If God knits people's souls together, then we can pray for friends. If you, for example, don't have a husband or wife, and you want a husband or wife, not everyone does, that's okay. You can ask God to give you a husband or a wife. If you don't have friends, you can ask God, would you knit my soul together with another person? Would you give me a friend? Some of you know and some others don't know that I prayed for my wife Kate for years before I met her. I said, Lord God, I believe that you're going to give me a wife, and wherever she is today, I pray that your blessings would be upon her. I pray that your face would shine upon her. I pray that you would lavish your grace upon her and give her joy in her salvation. And if, Lord God, she meets a handsome, successful person uh, of the opposite gender, smite him, Lord God. Strike him with thine vengeance up there and uh, wipe him out, Old Testament style, right? Now, perhaps this is not the most godly prayer, but it is what I prayed, and it worked. God put a protective orb around Kate and preserved her for me until we met in New York City, and eventually we became husband and wife. Here's a quote from C.S. Lewis that illustrates this. He writes, Christ who said to the disciples ye have not chosen me but i have chosen you can truly say to every group of christian friends ye have not chosen one another but i have chosen you for one another the friendship is not a reward for our discriminating and good taste in finding one another it is the instrument by which god reveals to each of us the beauties of others, friendship is beautiful. Friendship is amazing. Friendship is mysterious. Friendship is a gift from God. The third thing that we see is that friendship is sympathetic. Now, when I say that friends are, are sympathetic with one another, I mean that that French friends have the same passions. That's what that word means. Sim means same. Uh, pathos passions similar passions in other words for two people to be friends they have to see the same truth david and jonathan saw the same truth they saw the truth that god had anointed david and not saul to be the king They saw the truth that David, and not Jonathan, was the rightful heir to the throne. They saw the same truth that God, Yahweh, the Lord of the Covenant, was the God of Israel, and they loved him, and they served him, and they loved his kingdom. C.S. Lewis, again, talked about this in one of his books called The Four Loves, where he wrote the typical expression of opening friendship, when two people meet one another and become friends, would be something like what? You too? I thought I was the only one. You like classical music? Me too. You like Italian food? Me too. You like scuba diving? You like horseback riding? Me too. You love long books about obscure subjects? Me too. I thought I was the only one. You're a Christian? Me too. Jesus died on the cross for you, me too. You love God's word, me too. You love the kingdom of God and the people of God, me too. You see, the deeper the sympathy, the more profound the truth that two people see together, the deeper and more profound the friendship will be. If your friendship is based on your love for Alabama football or your hatred of Alabama football or your love for Project Runway or The Bachelor, you probably have an acquaintance. You may not truly have a friend. True friends share the same passions, true friends see the same truth. They're sympathetic with one another the fourth thing we see is that true friendship is covenantal verse 3 chapter 18 verse 3 when jonathan made then jonathan made a covenant with david because he loved him as his own soul a covenant is a pledge it's a vow it's a promise a covenant says i am committed to you in good times and in bad times I will always be your friend. Now, we've already had a lot of talk about marriage and boyfriends and girlfriends in this because I think probably the the most common type of covenant that we make in our society today is a marriage covenant. In a marriage covenant, two people who love one another, two people who are friends, stand up in front of their friends and their family members and before God make vows to one another. I will love you in sickness and health, in good times and bad, in richer and for poorer. I will always be committed to you. I will always be your husband. I will always be your wife. We will always be friends as long as we both shall live. Friendship is more than a feeling that we have. It's a decision that we make. It's an act of the will. True friendship says, I will love you even when you let me down. I will love you and forgive you even when you sin against me. Through the ups, through the downs, through the highs and the lows, you will always be my friend. When I was in kindergarten many, many years ago, I remember the very first day of class, I walked up to a young man named Joey Herringer joey became my friend now do you know how the two of us became friends if you were ever in kindergarten you probably have a story similar to this i walked up to joey herringer and i said joey would you be my friend he said yes and then he said "Uh, joel will you be my friend i said yes and from that time forward we were friends Now, do we have our ups and downs? Do we sin against one another? Do we disappoint one another? Of course we did. But our friendship remained because it was built on the solid rock, the solid foundation of the kindergarten covenant that we had made with one another. That almost sounds like a bad Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. Kindergarten covenant. But it was true, and we remained true to one another because we kept our word because of the promise that's how all friendships work true friends forgive each other when we sin against one another true friends reconcile with one another when with one another when we're estranged true friends are loyal and faithful and true not because of how they feel on any given day but because of the promise because of the covenant true friendship is covenantal Now, the fifth thing we see is that friendship is sacrificial. True friends make sacrifices for one another. Verse 4, Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David and his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt. In the story, Jonathan sacrificed his bow, he sacrificed his belt, he sacrificed his robe, he sacrificed his sword. But more than that, he sacrificed his claim to the throne. He sacrificed his position and his prestige. He made himself weak. He made himself vulnerable. He said, my life for yours. That's the exchange. That's the sacrifice that comes along with friendship. There is no friendship without sacrifice. There is no friendship without humility. There is no friendship that declares my way or the highway. There is no friendship that says my will and not yours be done. Friends turn the other cheek. Friends go the extra mile. Friends Say, how can I love you? How can I serve you? How can I lay down my life for you? Does that sound familiar? Do you remember what Jesus said in John 15? We read it earlier. Greater love has no one than this, than that someone lay down his life for his friends. In other words, a friendship that doesn't cost you something is a friendship That isn't worth anything. True friendship is sacrificial. Sixth thing, last thing. True friendship is sacramental. Now it is not sacramental in the technical sense of the term. You do not need me to administer the sacrament of friendship to you. In that sense, it, it's not like a uh, baptism of the Lord's Supper, which are two sacraments, which are specifically instituted by our Lord Jesus Christ. But friendship is sacramental in the sense that it points beyond itself to something even greater, something even more profound, a, a beautiful, profound truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In other words, our human friendships are but dim reflections of an even greater friendship. Our imperfect human friendships remind us that we were made for friendship with God. The covenants and the sacrifices that we make to establish and strengthen human friendships are reminders of the covenant and sacrifice that God has made to create and sustain His friendship with us as sinful, fallen human beings. Consider what Jesus said, again, returning to John 15. Jesus said, no longer do I call you servants, For the servant does not know what the master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I've heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. Remember that divine passive? Here it is again. And appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. So that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, Jesus says, so that you will love one another. So that you would be friends with one another. Do you see? The foundation upon which all human friendships are built is the foundation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. How does God demonstrate his friendship with us how does god knit his soul his spirit to our souls and our spirit in order to save us jesus the perfect jonathan gave up his right to the throne in order to save us jesus the perfect jonathan laid down his arms laid down his weapons he made himself radically vulnerable How does Jesus, our great, perfect Jonathan, save us? He gives us his royal robes. He gives us the robes of his perfect righteousness. We are clothed as Christians in the righteousness of God, our Savior, our King. Because of Jesus, we are no longer God's enemies. Because of Jesus, we are God's friends. Friendship is is sacramental friendship is an echo of eternity friendship is a picture of the gospel we need friends we need friends like david we need friends like jonathan we need friends like jesus what a friend we have in jesus all our sins and griefs to bear What a privilege it is to carry everything to God in prayer. Let's do that now. Let's pray. Oh, Lord our God, we thank you for our friends. We thank you that we have friendships with one another in the body of Christ. And we thank you, Lord God, that we have friendship with you. Even as I pray, Lord God, I am reminded of the Bible's admonition that we are not to be friends of the world. Not that we would not love our neighbors, we certainly do. Not that we would not love our enemies, even more so. But I pray, Lord God, that our souls would not be united with the spirit of unbelief and the spirit of sin. And may we day by day walk by your spirit, and may you knit our souls together with your soul, Lord Lord God, by your spirit. Hear our prayer, for we pray in the name of Jesus, our God, our Savior, our King, our friend. Amen.